Okay. To God be the glory. What can we expect this evening from God? Well, first of all, what can God expect from us prayer. this evening? Not just prayer, but we need to be in a, in, in, in a heart of worship when we go before the Lord. Okay, in a few minutes. Let's give him what's due his great name. And that's praise. And someone even suggested that maybe Miss Vicky can start us off with a song before Bible and studies when she come in. Okay. And we continue to pray for Brother Megan <laughs> to be healed. All right. I don't know why I hadn't manifested in him. I've asked the Lord. He hasn't told me. All I know is that we <coughs> keep on bringing it up to him. Is that all right? And so <clears throat> prayer, an act of worship, seeing Jesus at work here tonight. And the other thing is what Paul is saying to the church in Ephesus in this particular part of this letter is he's showing a very transformed church, a very transformed life, okay? And you're going to see that. And I'm going to redefine some of the language that's not, that's a wrong expression, not redefine. I'm going to interpret some of the language that was kind of like off a little bit and explain some, some terms there. Is that okay? I spent a great deal of today uh, actually researching to make sure that when we go through this text today that we understand it. All right? Without further ado, I'd like Brother Miller to start off in prayer. <coughs> Every head bow. Uh, can you start off with your prayer being a worship? Just tell God how much we love him. Can you do that in Jesus and tell them how great they are? Can everybody do that? Before you ask God for something, can your prayer start off with worship? Okay. Father, we come before you in one accord, Lord. Yes, Lord. We come to worship you. And Lord, I start with myself because you gave me the opportunity to worship you today. Yes, And Jesus. I thank you for that. And I thank you for my brothers and sisters here. I thank you that they're here in, in the same mind to worship you and to put yes, you first and to lift your name up high. Father, we thank you for that opportunity. We thank you for the, for the good work that you're doing on this church that we're going to have. We yes, thank you. Jesus. We love you, Lord. And Lord, we thank you for everybody that has anything to do Churches that'll grow. Father, I ask for five families. Just, just five families within a week, Lord. They'll see that there's something going on. That this church is worshiping you. It's a live church. Oh Lord, thank you for it. Thank you, Jesus. In Jesus' name. We honor you, Father, and our hearts just lift you up, and we thank you for loving us, for being with us. Yes, Lord. Us through fires that we've gone through <clears throat> with our families and our lives and our jobs. And, and uh, we just ask for direction, direction every day, 
embolden us, embolden us when we speak to people, give us the words that you want us to say to them, let our lives be, let our lives shine, Lord, let our lives be an example of what you would have the world see in you. Yes, Lord. Father God, we just praise the Lord. We ask that you will give Pastor Sarah the word, let it come through him accurately, and help us all to receive it and plant it in our lives and use it on a daily basis. Thank you. Father, I'm asking tonight for a miracle to happen. I want Brother Miller in Jesus' name. I want him to get up and dance. <laughs> Amen, Lord. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. He will be a healing. Right now, in the name of Jesus. Name. Yes, Lord. Amen. In the name of mighty name of Jesus. Yes. Father, we thank you. We love you for everything that you do for us. I pray that you would touch this church and touch all your people, Lord. Put your protecting angels around them and protect them. Um, I pray for Israel, that you watch over them. I pray for Brother Amelia that you heal him. And we thank you for everything you do. In Jesus' name. Amen. Lord, I just want to thank you for for making it possible for all of us to be here today. For Brother Amelia and Miss Vicky to walk through the door and not another text saying that they were in the hospital. Thank you for, for making that possible. Um, I want to I'm going to ask you to touch our president and help him make America what you want it to be. Help him to guide your people. Maybe to bring new people to you even. Yes, Lord. And I want to, I want to pray for that 500,000 that you told Pastor Sammy about. I'm going to pray that it, that it comes and, and the architects, everything lines up perfect. And we get the perfect church that you want. <clears throat> we pray for our children as they're in this marriage. Let her teach them something new about you. Let them learn something new. It touches their hearts and stays with them forever. In Jesus' name. Father, you're awesome in all of your ways. Lord God, you're a God and God alone. The universe declare your majesty. The sea and the waves stand in awe of you. And your son Jesus is absolutely Lord of all creation. And there's no one like you, Father. You're worthy to be praised. And Lord, we can't wait to join heaven as we sing in great adorations of you. As holy, holy, holy is the Lord God, the Almighty, who was and who is and is to come. And worthy is the Lamb 
to receive honor, glory, and power, riches, and wealth, Lord. All these things belong to you. And Father, we thank you that you made your son Jesus Lord over all creation and he's the King of kings and Lord of lords. And we can't wait to see him face to face and as a rule and reign all over creation. Lord God, we can't wait to see his enemy trampled on his feet. And Lord, we know that you're sovereign. There's none like you, Lord God. And when the children of Israel saw you up on that mountain and saw your glory, the blaze upon the mountain, and they said that, that, that you, Lord God, was like a consuming fire to them. And Lord, that's, be that to our enemies as a consuming fire to destroy them, but to your people to allow your glory to fall in this place in the name of Jesus, because your word, O God. And Lord, we ask now that by your spirit, set your word on fire, land upon every heart, right upon every mind and, and on our spirits, Lord God, that we become one in the spirit with your son, Jesus, right now, Lord. Speak, Lord, as you touch Brother Amelia's heart, speak to our country, Lord. Right now, we're divided more than ever. And Lord, we're asking now that you put those demons to, to put them to silence, Lord, that wants to call division. Because your church, Lord, we're supposed to be standing as one. And we are in these great United States, the land of our fathers, the land that you brought us to, Lord. Not one of us are native here, not even the ones that call Native Americans. They were natives here. They came here from somewhere, too. And Lord, we're all pilgrims in this land. Those who name the name of Jesus, help us, Lord God, to depart from iniquity and let us stand before you who's holy and let us be holy because we are your children. Have your way tonight, Lord, as your spirit speaks to us. Forgive us of our sins, Lord. Cleanse us, and Lord, help us to forgive those who trespass against us, just as you've forgiven us of our trespasses. Now, Lord, our God, exhort your son Jesus on high and let his name and be magnified in all the earth. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, he kept his eyes closed the whole time of prayer. Oh, to God be the glory. Uh, anyway, uh, no, he just said we're praying. That's from a four-year-old. All right, so bring on down. Let the word of God flow. Ephesians chapter four, we're going to be at today. Uh, in fact, Zora, back up to verse 12. I want to roll on in here. Okay. And reconcile it. Uh-oh, something happened there that you couldn't. Yeah. Smart girl. Boy, she's smarter than me. Okay, remember last week we ended with um, talking about the purpose of the gifts to the church. Apostles, prophets, pastors, evangelists, and teachers. And as for the equipping of the saints. Well, I went back and looked at the Greek word again today for equipping. Let me tell you, it's much more than equipping. It means that it's your life preparedness. Your life itself is the work of the ministry. And as God prepares your life by these, these gifts in the church, that is what's supposed to flow out of you to other people. So, if we are afraid to share Jesus with someone, that means there's a shortcoming in our preparedness. Hello. Did you get that? Yeah. If we are afraid to share Jesus with someone, or if we're neglecting to, those two are different now. Fear, 
Remember, God has not given us the spirit of fear, but what? Love. Sound mind. Love and what? And a sound mind. Power. And that's the one I was trying to get the fish out of you. When the Holy Ghost came upon that 120 people in the upper room, what did he give them? Power. 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 So were they timid? No. No. They began to speak in new what? Tongues, new languages to people that was in the city about what? All the good things that God had what? Done for them. Through who? His son, Jesus. So for three and a half years, Jesus did what? He prepared their lives so they li- their lives could reflect what God had done in them. To who? To a people who don't know God. So that's what this preparedness is. We was missing a portion of what he was saying to us because we were looking at it from a training or academic standpoint. When in fact God said, uh-uh-uh-uh, this is a life-changing point. This is what my son had did with your life. And that's what the rest of this chapter is all about. It's showing that when we are changed by those gifts, the apostles, the prophets, the pastors, the teachers, the evangelists, when all those come together, working together in the church, and as the church, the body is receiving it, then it's going to be a great change. Things happen because now what the world is going to see is a totally transformed person. And I'm here to tell you, it has changed my life in ways in these last few days when the Lord Jesus said, listen, I'm bringing you up higher. Okay, what, what does that mean? I'm transforming you. You're no longer the same. And that's one of the reasons the Holy Spirit said, Put your office back there. And I told, who did I told others? So that I won't be tempted with the temptation walking by the windows. I won't be what? Distracted. So that I can concentrate on what? The word of God. So I can concentrate on Jesus and what? In prayer. And so that I can grow up into a mature man of God to do the what? Work of God. Okay, so let's examine some of this a little bit more to prepare God's people for the work of ministry or work of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. That Greek word there for built up, it literally means a construction worker going out building a house. So what does that mean, Shelley? That God began to build your life from the foundation on what? On up. One tier at a time by the teachings of the apostles, the prophets, and who else? The pastors. But too often in the Western world, we concentrate on one person. And who's that? No, 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 no. The pastor. We put so much emphasis on one man. And then where are the rest of the gifts then that's supposed to be operating in the church? And he's not talking about the individual gifts that he gives you. as talked about in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, like the gift of wisdom, the gift of knowledge, okay, by the Holy, by the Holy Spirit. Not those. He's talking about these men and women within the body. One that has the, the, the gift of prophecy, you know, that prophet, that hear what God says and come and tell the people. Where is our prophet? 
the apostles. These are the ones that are what? Sent out. These are the ambassadors that go out and they carry the gospel and they come back and give a report. Remember, even though Paul was commissioned and ordained by Jesus to go out, who did he come back and report to? The church in Jerusalem, known as the, the Jerusalem Council, okay, where Jesus' brother James resided as the bishop. So Paul came back each time from his missionary journeys. He reported to who? To the Jerusalem Council. We see that in the book of Acts. So there was an accountability. And same thing. The pastor's job is to protect the flock from wolves. Okay? His job is to recognize a wolf in sheep clothing. His job is to recognize when the enemy is what? Attacking. And he's supposed to put himself between the flock and the what? And the attackers to protect. How does he do that? By teaching sound doctrine. What is sound doctrine? Right here. The word of God. Where to go, Mr. Six-year-old now? Mr. Colby. The word of God. This is sound doctrine. Okay? Because that's what Paul told Timothy. It's profitable for what? Doctrine. And so, and then the teachers do what? Sit you down in a setting and teach you the word of God, line by line, precept upon precept. That means you don't get to pick and choose what the people of God learn. You teach them the word of God from the word of God. God. Okay? So where is that person? And then what about the evangelist? The person that's going to stand out on the sidewalk and say, hey, let me tell you the good news of Jesus Christ. Because that's what evangelist is. That's, it comes from the Greek word euangelos, which means good message or good news. Okay? We call it gospel. I don't even know why they call it gospel anyway. They should have just given it the name that God gave it. Good message. Okay? Stand out there. Hey, have you ever heard the good message of Jesus Christ? I don't want to hear that. You gave him a warning. I said, listen, it's able to save your soul because someday you're going to stand before God. Mm -hmm. that, that's, that's a known fact. But we need someone that believes that God has given them that gift of evangelism. It doesn't have to be me. It doesn't have to be you. It could be you. It could be you. It could be you. It could be you. So, yeah. So you don't sit back and tell God it's not me. That is not our position. Our position is to receive it when he what? Give it. And then what? Use it. And then you come back and, and you take that to the body and say, hey, come with me. Let me show you what the works of an evangelist is. Hey, come with me. I'm going to show you the work of an apostle. I'm going to show you the work of a prophet. Why? You go back and you give the testimony and say, look, when I was out doing this work, this what God did. And what does that do to the body? It helped them what? Grow. Grow up. And when also another part about this building, it means this too, Shelly. I like picking on Shelly because she's sick. Look. Building is not just for the individual. It's for, when I looked at this in the Greek and it caught my eye today, I go, whoa, I've been missing this all along. Miss Vicky. It also means adding to the body. When you build something, you're adding what? To it. 
You're bringing other stuff into it, and you're adding, and you're building what? Up. And I didn't catch that at first. You grow. You grow. I said, ooh, I, I, got, I got to tell them that. That was one of the words you seen me writing down, that you didn't quite know how to spell that, Deacon. <laughs> and so when you look at this, so that the body... So that the body of Christ may be built up. So that the body, they didn't say individual. It says so that the body. Everyone. That means you got to go out and do what? Work. And build the body what? Up. I go, whoo, how did I been missing that all along? Well, the Holy Ghost in his own time and know exactly what we need at that moment, don't he? Okay, and then he goes on to say, and Miss Vicky gonna appreciate this until we all reach the unity. All reach the unity. The problem now is that we were not on the same sheet of music, but now we're getting on the same sheet of music. Temporarily, the last few weeks we allowed distractions to come in here, but I believe now God is saying to us right here. Let's get back together. We know what we have to do. Let's go and do it because the Holy Ghost is present to power us. We can do this. Okay? And not only can we do it, we are what? Going to do it. No more saying, uh-uh, I, I'm not equipped. Yes, you are. You have been trained. Your life itself says that you have been trained. Because your name is written down in the Lamb's book of life. life. So you have been what? Trained. That boy, something else. Y'all, do y'all hear what's coming out that kid's mouth? No. Huh? That boy, full of the word of God. That's what we want. That child is being built up. And there's no shame in his game. When he's out there on the baseball field, Dick, you make sure he tells his other players about Jesus. Now, so, so what? But we all come to the unity of the faith. We all believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and of the knowledge of the Son of God. How much, if I ask you right now, Deacon Clinton, I'm a stranger on the street. What's the first thing you're going to tell me about Jesus that you want me to know? Jesus loves you. Okay, so what does that mean to me? Who's Jesus? He's your Savior. How do I know what's the Savior? What I'm being saved from? From eternal, from eternal damnation from, from sin. What's sin? I'm a good person. Why God want to do that to me? What kind of God are you serving? A loving God. Okay, well, don't he love everybody? Yes. So what are you going to tell me about Jesus? He Don't cut me short. I'm a guy on the street. I don't know anything. Okay. What do I need to know about Jesus? Because what you got in you is what you're going to give away. Are y'all hearing this? What you have about Jesus in you is what you're going to give away. So, all right, but I'm a stranger. What did I know about that? What's the cross? Preparedness, folks, is when you have the ability from God 
to take what Jesus has done in your own life according to the scriptures and you relate that to someone else. Okay, well, what does that mean to me? So, okay, here's what I want you to know. Uh, God has a son. God is the one who created us. He's the invisible person, uh, entity that you and I, his spirit, that we cannot see with our natural eyes. But you see all that out there? The sun, the moon, the stars, the earth, the trees, the lakes, the rivers, Shelley, all of that didn't come into existence by itself. God spoke these things in existence, and the same God put down regulations saying that we're to do life a certain way. But the, our first parents, named Adam and Eve, they sinned against God by breaking God's commandments. But what was that? Well, I'll explain that part to you in a second about them not doing what God told them. And as a result of that, they allowed punishment from God to come into the human race because every person from, that was born through this couple came with a spirit, a nature to automatically rebel against God. They came into the world wanting to do their own thing. Even little bit of babies cry when moms and dads don't give it what it wants. It has a rebellious spirit. And so mankind as a whole has a rebellious spirit. That's you and me. Let me ask you a question. Have you ever lied to anybody? Uh, yeah. Okay. Have you ever taken something that didn't belong to you? Uh, of course we have. How many of you ever grabbed something that you did not ask for somebody? We do it all the time in our house. Do you ever go to the cookie jar without mama's permission? Uh, oh, yes, you have. Okay. Uh, so how many of you have done this and that? All of us have done something wrong about our own earthly parents, right? Well, guess what? The first thing that God tells human is honor your mother and your father. Okay, have you honored your mother and your father all your life? Have you done absolutely everything that God told you to do with your parents? Oh, hello, then you must be in trouble because God being our big parent, we did some things wrong. And we're not trying to say legalism here. We're just showing you the fact that man has a nature that's not approved by God. Otherwise, his nature is how he lives. But God sent his son Jesus to take that nature away, which is called sin nature. Sin is what the Bible calls when we do things wrong against God. And every human, no matter how small or how big, have done something wrong against God, like not paying attention in Bible study. Okay? So, and you see, folks, every one of us have the ability to tell the story because we know that this is the testimony of Jesus Christ from Genesis to what? Revelation. Revelation. Remember, from Genesis to Malachi, it was telling us that Jesus was on his what? Way. And then in Matthew, he what? He arrived. And from Matthew to John, he lived, he taught, he did miracles and signs and wonders. And then he did what? He died and what? Rose again. And then he went back where? To heaven to be with God his Father. That's Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And then from Acts to Revelation, or Acts to Jude, tells you and I that God appointed 12 men. And then those 12 men filled with the Holy Ghost went out and gave a testimony. Otherwise, they told people of the things they saw Jesus, what he did, when what he what? Said. Okay? 
and they witnessed him going back up to heaven. And that's why they're here. And they wrote down these words of what God told them to what? To write. And then what else happened? And Revelation tells you and I that he's coming back uh, again. And he's going to be king over all what? Creation. And one day he's going to judge the entire human race. Okay? And he's going to set up his eternal what? Kingdom. Does it make sense to y'all now? You know the what? Story. All of you all just demonstrated that you know the story because you just filled in the gaps or the blanks. Okay? So from now on out, consider yourself an expert on the Bible, on the story of Jesus Christ, because every last one of you just were in agreement with me and said you know the story, because I heard your voice, and just in case you don't think I did, I got it on recorder, okay? <laughs> Is this making sense to you, Zora, that you now know the story. Zora sit down with us and play Bible trivia with the kids. She said, I didn't know. Now she's answering questions in Bible trivia. So now she what? No, she's learning. So she know the story. She know God's son died on the cross for the thing called what? Sin. And sin is our way of hurting God by disobeying God. She know the story. She know that God raised his son from the dead. dead. So you know the story. You just filled in the blank again. So, who now is growing up to a mature people, and you all just demonstrated unity? Did you realize that? Because we're all on what? One of chord. Is that not unity, uh, Brother Jeremiah? So, are they not demonstrating proficiency in the word? And that is, is that not a mature man or woman in Christ? That six-year-old boy sat there over and over and over again in these few short minutes, and he quoted scripture. That six-year-old boy is growing up as a mature child in Christ. And he's just six years old. So, can that six-year-old boy tell somebody about Jesus? Yes, he can. And if a six-year-old can do it, a 70-year-old can do it. Oh, excuse me, I'm sorry. But anyway, <laughs> so, <laughs> anyway, now, am I talking 300 words a minute to y'all? 400? Is it, is it okay with y'all that you're getting this? So now, are you further understand now what it means to build up now? And to be in what? Unity? So now unity means we're thinking the same what? Thoughts. We're thinking the same what? Thing about who? Christ Jesus, the Son of God. We know these things. So no devil in hell can extract them from us. We know them. Even when the body's not feeling bad, in the name of Jesus, be healed. And now, look at this. Knowledge. Y'all just demonstrated knowledge. Did you not, Jeremiah? Did y'all, you came in on the end of it, but did you all not just sit there and demonstrate knowledge? Yes, you did. Okay? Of the Son of God. Because you had, we talked about the Son of God, what he did. Is that not knowledge of the Son of God? Yes, it is. Uh-oh, WC, y'all can't play the dumb role anymore. God just took that card away from you. In other words, you cannot be what? Ignorant. The King James Version said, Paul said, I, brother, have that you not be what? Ignorant. Oh, God just took that away from you. Uh, missing what? Misinformed or uninformed. Those two are actually different, aren't they, Shelley? Misinformed and what? 
uninformed. There's actually two different things, but we'll talk about that later. So, for the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, anybody want to know what Jesus looked like? Tell them to look at you. You want to know what Jesus' life is like, Maurice Nelson? Tell them to look at you. Every one of us is supposed to be able to demonstrate who Jesus is by the way we live. Amen. Hello. Amen. Didn't get no amens on that one. Amen. Yeah. I understand kids is growing. They'll make kid mistakes. Brother Mayor, he tell me that all the time on the side. Oh, they're just being kids. All right, but wait till they get older. <laughs> Look, even adults make mistakes, but guess what? God's grace is still what? Sufficient. Okay, by Christ Jesus, our Lord. So we're going to do things at times that's not pleasing to God, but he's a loving father. And that's what the world can't understand. Why would God want to love you like this by punishing his son in such a manner that it cost him his life. Okay? He did it because he simply loved us. Nothing that we have done or could have do to earn it. We cannot earn it. It's the gift of God. Okay? Alright. Moving right along. Jeremiah verse 14. That we should no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried about with every one of doctrine. There's all kinds of doctrine out there right now that mislead God's people. However, this is nothing new. It's been going on for nearly 2,000 years. The Apostle Paul told Timothy. He said, Timothy... The Spirit has said in a lot of years, many will depart from the faith. And do what? Give what? Give heed to seducing spirits. The, de the doctrine of what? Demons. This is what they're going to do. Just because a man could preach good doesn't mean it what? Is good. Just because somebody come with fancy words doesn't mean they're good for you. Okay? And that's one of the things that Paul made sure that the church in current understood. In other words, his letter to the Corinthians. In 1 Corinthians, especially in chapter 2, he made sure they understood. He said, I did not come to you with what? With persuasive words or what? Wisdom of men. But I came to you with the power of God and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Okay? He said, that's how I came at you. And folks, if we're giving people anything other than that, we are wrong. That's why I believe one day sitting on my couch, the Holy Spirit said to me, Sammy or Samuel, do not prepare another sermon. Because when you prepare, it's your sermon. It's not God's. God has already given you six to six books full of sermons. Preach the word of God. Amen. So, okay. You ain't got no problem with me. I can't fight you and win. Okay. What's my saying? Your arms are too short to what? Box with God. Don't forget that, Jeremiah. I know you're a bad dude, but you ain't that bad. Okay. Your arms are not that long, okay? But what? Speaking the truth in what? Love. 
Speak the truth. When you give people the unadulterated word of God, that means it have not been polluted by human wisdom, you have demonstrated the fullness of God's love to them. Okay? When you come and bring nothing but thus said the Lord. Why do you think the prophets of old, when they went to Israel, those men said to those Jews, they said, thus said the Lord. Okay? In other words, the hearers, were, they knew that this man was not monking around. He was coming with the word from their creator, their God, and that they better be what? Listening. And you know what? Jesus said it a different way to the seven churches in Revelation. You know how he said it? Let him that has an ear hear what the Spirit is saying to the churches. Amen. He said that after every one of his letters, his notes to those churches, let him that has an ear hear what the Spirit is saying to the churches. Mm -hmm. Okay? So that's an attention getter. What is the Spirit saying? In John chapter 6, verse 63, Jesus said, The words that I speak, they are spirit and they are life. Okay? So you want to know what the Spirit is saying? Open up the Word of God. And he'll tell you. Then you'll know. All right? Then he goes on to say to you and I, So we speak this. Why? So they may grow up in all things into him. Talking about Jesus, who's the head, Christ. Um, that's an old saying that boys, when they grow up, want to be like their father. And when girls grow up, want to be like mother. So why don't Christians want to grow up and be like our God. Christ, our Lord? But after all, isn't that what the word Christian means, Christ? Like, or little translation means little Christ. So I have not heard one Christian yet say, oh, when I grow up, I want to be like Jesus. I haven't heard one of you say that. No, he ain't saying my literal now. He's saying in character and in deed, okay, in the likeness of what God says that we're to be. Okay, honoring God with our lives. Because Jesus did not dishonor his father, not one iota, demonstrating to you and I that it is possible to live a life under the anointing of the Holy Spirit in such a way that's pleasing to God. Okay, Jesus demonstrated that. Even when he was up under tremendous pressure from his brothers and sisters, people in his own household. Deacon and I talked about that Saturday night. How Jesus said a prophet is without honor in his own country and in his own what? Home. Okay? Jesus caught hell from his brothers. They were something else. I hope your babies don't run around saying that, uh, uh, Jeremiah, so you can come whoop the pastor later, okay? <laughs> now, here it is. Paul is demonstrating an old life, old sinful life, old sinful ways, behaviors, now saved, now transformed by Jesus. He's showing the church in Ephesus, this is what the new life looks like. Okay? 
And that's what the next section of this chapter is about. This is what the new life looks like. Is that okay to hear? Y'all can ask questions anytime you want to. From whom the whole body joined and knitted together by every joint supplies. What does that mean, Miss Vicky? You're a pretty clever lady, you and Shelly, when it comes to medical things. What does that mean? What is he telling you and I? Jeremiah, you're, you're, you're pretty swift on your feet too with stuff. What does this mean? He just do some biology stuff in there, did he not? You mean like everything works together? Yeah, he's talking about body parts though, isn't he? Coming together, you know, if every body part was laying on the table by itself, could, could the body work? Nope. But those body parts had to do what? Come together. God put the parts together, and by his spirit gave the parts what? Life and power and energy to move and function, okay? And that's how your body, the, the ear can't go in here by itself, can it, without the brains and all the nerves and stuff, right? The finger needs a hand and the, the skin need what? Meat to cover and <laughs> you, you know what I'm talking about, right? The bones can't move without the, the bones can't move without the muscles and the muscles can't move without the ligaments and the tendons. Okay, all that good stuff, right? That's what he's saying. And he just said all of us are those things, okay? How God gave made us all some tenders and some noses and some toes and <laughs> I don't want to say the last part was in my mind. Let's go on. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Keep it clean, preacher. <laughs> all right. You can only imagine, right, Miss Vicky? No. <laughs> Okay, and sometimes the mouth is more filtered than the other hole. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> but guess what? If God lock it up, see what will happen to the belly if that part back there get locked up. Uh-huh. All right. So it all got to work to what? Gather, even if it smells. <laughs> I'll leave it alone. <laughs> That's the body. Okay. According to the effective working by which every part does it, what? Share or its part. That means Jeremiah just can't go to work every day and then go home and relax with his wife and kids and claim he'll part of the body of Christ. That means Jeremiah has to come and do what? Be active in the body and do whatever is necessary to help the body stay together and make sure that Jesus Christ is being known outside of this church building. That means Miss Marie can't hang around them horses all day and not do anything for Jesus. I mean, Maurice can't be over that hot stove next door and not tell somebody about Jesus. He has to come and say, Dad, what's the church doing today? What are we doing today? Okay, what part of the church plan am I in when it comes to the four directors? It's okay, Maurice, where do you live at? Some tell me you live in the south, right? That means you live in the south, southwest part of the town. So whatever director got the southwest part of the town got the Nelson family. Hello. I believe that's your team, isn't it? Yeah. We belong to you. <laughs> so what you're doing, what your director say you're doing for that part of the town? Well, we're going over to the window place and meet those people. We are? Yeah, we're going to go take him some lunch and tell him it's from WOC. See, there's some ideas right there. We're going to take him some lunch. Okay? 
What time? <laughs> Brother Me, you say up what time? But but do y'all understand now what it means to coming together and working together? Huh? So causes growth of the body for the edifying that we're edifying. Once again, it's typically translated as building. Then verse uh, Sixteen. It's the same word that's used for building up over in the Greek, Jeremiah. So it means that construction has to take place. You 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 got to pull out the hammer and you got to get a saw. You got to get some nails and a tape measure and you got to have a plan. Okay, you just can't throw a house together. It's going to look like a border house that a kid built. So you got to have a plan. The plan is the word of God. You got to make a doctrine. That means we done laid out exactly what we want each other to be doing. And we all in agreement. That's the one accord. That's the unity. And we want people saved. Okay. We got to do this. We got to do this. We can't use the excuse with God anymore. We can't tell Jesus that we don't know. We all have knowledge. You all demonstrated tonight. Look at me, boys. You all demonstrated tonight proficiency in the scriptures. You all show God and Lord Jesus that you know what you're talking about. You did. Okay. And so, this I say, verse 17, therefore, and testify in the Lord that you should no longer walk as the rest of the Gentiles walk. How does the rest of the Gentiles walk? How? How does the rest of the Gentiles walk? What is he talking about there? Is he talking about saved people or unsaved people, Jeremiah? Saved. Huh? Who? Unsaved. That's just another name for unsaved folks. Okay. That's what he's talking about. And so, how do unsaved folks walk? And walk is another word for what? Live. Live. Yeah. So, how do unsaved folks live, Maurice Nelson? In the vanity of their minds. What does that mean, in the vanity of their minds? There's a language that needs to be broken down. What do you mean? Huh? Word fertility means that there's no 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 uh, worthy thinking going on up there towards God. It's almost like being a fool, empty-headed. Okay, don't care about the things of God. Ignorant. Ignorant is one capacity that re really that causes it, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. So lack of knowledge. Remember, through the prophet Hosea, God said, "My people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge in me." Okay. So, Deacon Clinton, what do we do about that? Teach. You teach. Exactly. That's what's happened. Grab you grab them off the streets and you share the love of Christ with them and you teach. Not only how, what are other means to teach, Jeremiah? You and Maurice are college boy. Oh, you got your degree now. Maurice working on his. What, what, a, what another means in Zora? What's another means of how to teach? Say it again, Deacon. You bet you. 
Demonstration. Demonstration is one of the greatest tools you can use to show someone how to do something. Okay? You can give them a textbook or a set of rules all day long and say, hey, read this. Is it really going to do them good? Well, few people that will. They will benefit from it. But for the most part, people need to see it acted what? Out so that they can see it. They need to see it lived out before them. So that's why your friends could say, uh, hmm, Maurice is not like he used to be. No. Clinton is not like he used to be laying in a gutter drunk somewhere. No. Well, Jeremiah is not like he used to be. He just bust that person in the mouth. He used to, when people say things to him, he would bust them in the mouth. He's not that way anymore. He just told that man, I'll pray for you. Okay? He's now demonstrating that his life has what? Change. His life been, hello, Miss Barbara, his life been transformed, made different by Jesus. Yes? Okay? That's what this is all about. That's what he's talking about here. And looky here. But Gentiles, what do we see? Now, in some capacities, Gentiles are unsaved people. They live pretty wholesome lives according to the standard of life for their communities. Am I right, Jeremiah? You're a law enforcement guy. For the most part, they measure up to, to, to standards. And we call that values and beliefs and laws and regulations, right? So usually they're law-abiding citizens, but they're still going to hell if they don't have Jesus. Hello. That's a known fact. Why would God send good people to hell? Because they reject his son, Jesus. Huh? Yes, sir. <laughs> They're no good people in God's eyes. But man's standard? Yes, they are. How many atheists out there have done great things for the good of society? A lot of them. But then, how many out there that God said, okay, you rejected my son, Jesus. I reject you. All right? We just got to keep the teaching real. Okay? And that's when Ms. Vicky came in when she called the vanity of their mind. Vanity and futility is just simply a way of saying that there's nothing up there that turned man's heart to God. It's all no good. Okay? That's what he's saying. Like a child, almost, you know, until you have steered that child. When King James wrote, when they translated the Bible part in Proverbs, train up a child in the way that it should go. Do you know what the thought is there, Jeremiah? Because you got young babies. Do you know what the idea of, of train up a child means? It means taking a horse's bridle and putting it in the child's mouth and using the what? The scraps to turn that child. You used to be riders, both of y'all, and Miss Marie raised horses continually, so y'all understand what I'm saying. Put the horse's bridle in a child's mouth and you turn that child you, you directing that child's path. You pull the bridle this way, the horse turned that way. I know we used to own a horse when I was growing up. He threw me quite a few times too, a rascal. Mm. But anyway, that's, that's, that's what it means. You're training that horse, right? And you hit the spur. Well, we don't use spurs anymore. They're saying that's inhumane. But 
Anyway, you got the idea, right? Now, first, verse, verse, look at it, verse 18. Having an understanding darkened. When you try to tell Gentiles or unsaved people that your lifestyle is not in congruency or in standards with God say the way that you are to live, because Jesus uh, was here and he explained to us how God wants us to live. But when you say, um, why would a loving God send me to hell? What's wrong if two people love each other? What, what's wrong with it if they're the same sex? Uh, what's wrong if I choose another way to get to God? Don't all roads lead to God? Yes. Okay. Uh, but this is the dark thinking of their minds, though. That's what he's talking about. That's what's polluted their minds. They get to conjure up in their own thinking that I can get to God on my own terms. But here's the thing. You got to understand Jesus. Jesus says, when I go away, I'm going to do what? Prepare a place for you. For in my Father's house are many what? Mansions, okay? Now, I got to ask you a question. If you own the house, don't you make the house rules? And if you're going to prepare the way, don't you set the rules on how a person to get there? Huh? Mm -hmm. Yeah, God did that by sending his son, Jesus. God set down the rules saying that for God so loved the world. He gave his only son. And whosoever believed in him shall not perish but have what? All right, we ready to go, little man. So God established the rules saying that you must believe or you must trust in his son, Jesus. Those are only rules of the house. That's the only way you're going to get in this house. Hello. Is it making sense to you now? Those are God's rules. No one has authority to change God's rule. No matter what kind of rules are established on the earth, Amongst themselves, it does not change God's rules in heaven. Amen. Okay? Is this making sense to you? Now, y'all can jump in here and talk to me. Now, don't make me do all the talking. <laughs> so, having their understanding dark and being alienated from the life of God, and they don't even know what does alienate mean, Jeremiah? Outcast. Outcast or what? Separated? Ostracized? They don't, huh? Disobedience causes it. So they don't realize that they're separated from God, they're outcast from God, that they're ostracized from God because of the darkness of their mind. They're made up in their minds. This is how God is going to be. And in a sense, they've created a God that will suit their needs, right? Well, God's going to get them for that. Because now they're serving a what? False God. The God of their what? Minds rather than the God of the Bible. The God of the Bible sent his son Jesus here. And Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except for me. Uh, hello, those are the rules of the house. 
Is it making sense to you now? Yes. Yes. Mm -hmm. Okay. They're the only rules. There aren't any other rules. Like I told them folks that was talking bad about God that day, and I said, y'all forget one thing. And they said, what is that? I said, he made the rules. He can do whatever he wants to. Right. He's God. Okay? He made the rules. All right? Now, because of the ignorance that is in what? In them. Because of the ignorance. Otherwise, they, they're not informed to make a decision. They don't have knowledge to make an informed decision to follow God's son, Jesus, with their lives. Because they've been listening to the wrong voice. The prince of darkness. That's why their minds are what? Darkened. Whatever knowledge you have is what's going to show up on the inside and it's going to reflect on the outside. Yes, ma'am. And even some denominations who never encourage their people to open the Bible, they don't know what the word is saying. They just know. And they are still darkened. Right. They are still lost. They're not getting the right information. They're not getting the right information. They're life and dying with that wrong information. That's right. And it's sad because what Jesus said, when you, here's a fancy word that the Jews live by, the Jewish leader. It's called proselyte. Okay. Jesus said, you go across the sea to get one proselyte. And when you do, you make him two times the child of hell than yourself. Now that's bad. Y'all look at me like, what did he just say? It's another way of saying you just made him a disciple like you. Okay? So, the world produces his own disciples. Hello? The world produces its own disciples, its own proselytes. That's why I remember seeing when I was in the prison as a classification officer, one of the things when I had interviewed before I got that job to be a chaplain, they said, you're not allowed to proselytize in here. What does that mean? That means you're not allowed to make disciples of Jesus Christ. They didn't say you couldn't pray. You just can't tell them, come over to Jesus. Oh. Okay. So how did you do that? I still told them. <laughs> I still told them. <laughs> so, <laughs> I, I sitting at my desk, I led some of them to the Lord sitting at my desk. I didn't care, fire me. <laughs> you only give me a reward that's written in heaven. Okay. I don't care. Well, you don't give me the reward, God does. Um, anyway. Because of the ignorance that is in them, because of the blindness of their heart, okay? Knowledge is so powerful. Knowledge is so powerful. In Matthew chapter 22, when Jesus was talking to the Jewish people about divorce, you know, and, and, and matter of fact about marriage, and they were talking about the man who had married... Um, Brother. Yeah. 
And the man died, and his other brother married, and he had no children. And then the next one, all the way down to the seven, they all died. And they said, in the resurrection, whose wife is she going to be? And Jesus said, you greatly error. You don't even know the scriptures. For they're neither given into marriage or marriage, okay? For they're like the angels. So there's not going to be anybody's wife. Okay? They're married to Jesus. That's, it. that's right. That's why we're called the bride of Christ. Now, so, but he did tell him, he said, look, <laughs> you don't know anything. You're greatly error. And that's what ignorance often leads to. He said, have you not read the word? Have you not read the word? He often said that to him. Have you not heard when so-and-so did this and that? And he even quoted what uh, uh, King David did, going through the grain fields. Okay. Uh, how David went into the house of the Lord and ate the showbread and those who were with him that was not lawful for them to eat but for the priests only. But Jesus began to rebuke him. But people, it's important that you slow down with your busy life and God knows you have to make a living. He understands you have to work. But also know that you all like to go and have fun. I can't tell you how many times I've taken my Bible with me to places and people look at me like, what's he doing? I'm reading my Bible. Well, why are you doing that? Because I want to learn the word of God. I want to know my Father and my Lord Jesus even better. Well, don't you have some other time to do that? What greater time than now? <clears throat> Don't let people dictate to you when and where you are to learn the word of God. Yes, sir. You're going to tell them, lucky for you that I'm here with it. That's right. To feed you. I'm good to tell you. Yeah. And so you turn it back over on them because Matthew must be writing down the scriptures because he's just writing up something back there. And poor fella can't even afford the paper. <laughs> He's using crown and a torn off piece of paper. He must be really want to know what I'm saying. Somebody help him. Pat him on the back for being such a good student yeah, of the Bible right now. Here's this. <laughs> Here we go. We're getting close to closing on out. And it says, who being past feelings? Uh, let's look at who being that phrase, being past feelings. Jeremiah, you're a pretty sensitive guy. Ain't no big old rugged guy like that got a good soft heart. What is he talking about? Past feelings. Being past feelings. What is he talking about, Deacon Clinton? Yes. Huh? That means something that's going to happen to you in the past. You want to try to get over it. Nah. Your conscience, you're, you're kind of, you've been doing the wrong so long that you don't have a conscience. Yes! That's, what that's exactly what it means. Okay. You now become insensitive to the things that you're doing wrong that you don't even feel it anymore. It no longer gets you in the heart. Okay? You're desensitized. That's what they say in college. You're desensitized from it. Okay? You become college to it. There you go. It become normal for you to be around people that do things wrong. You say, oh, that's okay. That's just Joe. And then after a while, you start doing what Joe doing because why? It's okay. Because mm -hmm. <laughs> that's what they do. Now you're one of the boys. And God is doing this like. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and you go, 
Monkey see, monkey do. Yeah. In a sense, you know, like, busted. <laughs> okay? How many times the Holy Ghost got me like that? And going like, no, 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 no. He pat me on my butt in a hard way. Spiritually, I'm talking about. And get your behind over here, boy. Sit down. And the witnesses in here where the spirit got a hold of them say, you know better. Or any women in here know about what I'm talking about? Yep. Men and women, the Holy Ghost say, you know better than that. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Okay, but that's what it's saying, that you no longer have sensitive, you're no longer sensitive to the things of God. Yes? yes? You no longer care about the things that are right to God. And people, listen, there's a term being thrown around in the modern day church, it's called legalism. They've used that so much towards people that want to obey God. They're talking about, well, God took us from under the law, so you don't have, we're under grace now. You don't have to worry about this and that because all of your sins been covered. I know this, then we do know that, but then why did God have Paul write it down and told you to stop it then? Huh? Why didn't all 13, matter of fact, how about all 66 books that said, stop it, stop it, stop it. Stop sinning. Grace wasn't given to willfully sin. Grace was given when you fall and you're sorry. Yeah, yes. These people are willfully doing it. They willfully. That's what Paul said in Romans 6. Where sin abide, grace abide that much more. He said, because we're on the grace doesn't mean we have a we can go on sinning. He said, God forbid. No. Just because your father is a good and gentle God to you does not mean you use him up like that. You don't take advantage of his kindness. You don't take advantage of Christ's kindness on the cross. I've done that so many times and had to fall on my knees and say, Jesus, please, I don't want to crucify you afresh. Please don't, don't, don't hurt me, Lord. I, I, please give me another chance. Listen, we know God is forgiven, but Paul said, don't play with God like that. Don't you dare play with God's grace like that. Jesus did not go to the cross so that we can continue to live the way we are. Okay? I know for a fact. He deal with me. Okay? All right. We've just got a few more minutes here. So, Look at here. Who being past feeling, having given themselves over to lewdness. That's a, this verse 19 has got to be so unpacked here. Being past feeling, having given themselves over to lewdness to work all uncleanness with greediness. Well, what does that mean? What does that mean? Now, that's where the NIV is kind of closer to the actual Greek, Miss uh, Vicky. The NIV translation is actually closer. Having lost all sensitivity, okay? Because that's what the Greek says. They have given themselves over to sensuality. In other words, they like to have orgies. They like to have sex all the time. And the King James Version is called fornication. Yes, boys, you need to hear this. I've got lasciviousness. Lasciviousness is another form of sin. They like to be sexual. Uh, we call it sexy thing. Impurity. Okay? Yes. All that. Now it means bringing them skirts all the way up to where, Shelly? Look up here. They're now the skirts are where? Right here. And the slits are now here. And now 
Imagination. <laughs> Look, me and Shelly seen a girl walking on the sidewalk one day in her panties. What? I saw it in Gainesville. Without no pants? Yes. In Gainesville, I seen it a couple times in Gainesville. Uh, me and Maurice went and took the rental car back. I don't know if Maurice seen it. I'm in the rental car, Enterprise, and the girl walk in in her panties. <laughs> <laughs> well, that did it again with Kaiser. Okay, my eyes just crossed again. Now, look at me. It's not just the women and and, and being sensual because they want to dress so that you can look at their stuff. Guys, you are too. <laughs> Stop. Okay. We like to put our tight shirts on so we can flex these things called muscles. Like to wear it tight so a girl can see our six pack. In our case, one big pack. Okay. I got a bear on myself. <laughs> All right. Uh, so we got ways to attract them too, yeah. huh? And we and we want to put on certain water that got certain flavors or certain scent in them, so women go, ooh. Yes. Did you smell that? He smell good, right? That this is necessary. This is all falling under lasciviousness. This all falls under sensuality, everybody. Are you hearing me? Yes. <laughs> Whatever ways it takes to draw the attention of the opposite sex, in our case in the 21st century, also the same sex. Yeah, same sex. Okay. <clears throat> you can plug it in right up there, and it's all sin. I'm not ashamed to call it what it is. But here's, here's the part where Paul said, in that verse 19, she, she, she switched it on me, but it's okay. Uh, that means that the more they did it, Jeremiah, the more they wanted to what? Do it. And each time, it, they come on even what? Stronger with it. Okay? They're compelled by their sinful nature to do it more and more and more. And as they're giving it, the, the recipients what? They what? Want it more. But they have a good interest. The Romans, they taught them good. So now we see in our society, <laughs> I declare, when we first moved here, they gave a commercial about selling lumber, that lumber plates up there past the highway patrol station on the left-hand side. They had a woman standing in the bikini on a semi-truck load of lumber. And they're going, what in the world does that have to do with selling somebody a truckload of lumber? <laughs> and now the McDonald's must under the hardest. I just looked at a series of hardest commercials on, on, on YouTube. And let me tell you, have you seen the hardest commercials? Yeah. Very sexual. Yes, hardies. And now Walgreens. Walgreens? You should see the Walgreens commercials. Yep. <laughs> of all places. And definitely can't go buy a car now because they really want to lay it out. Yeah. Hello. Mm -hmm. You ask yourself, what does any of this have to do with material things? It's not the material things that it's about, folks. It's, sensual, it's sensuality. Lasciviousness, concupiscence in the King James Version, 
Lust, make it simple, okay? Sexy, polluting the mind, all right? Verse 19, so it said, with a continual lust for more, a continual lust for more. That's what he's saying. At the end of the Greek right there, he's saying that the more society receives it, the more society wants it. Because they're never satisfied. Because they're never satisfied in Hollywood. is always trying to figure out a way to do it much more better. And just like it says much earlier more. up in the scriptures, they're empty. They're empty. Okay. That's what they want to do, Tully. And we have been bombarded with, I can only imagine, by the time these kids get to be Brother Millia's age, mm -hmm. unless Jesus has come, Ain't no telling what centrality is going to be like. Huh? Because who that famous uh, young people, y'all like a singer, Alicia Keys, do y'all know what she just did? It was her birthday, and she came out in front of the crowd and pulled off a robe and was birthday suit. Alicia Keys did that recently. Oh, they do. Oh, yeah. Huh? They know who Alicia Keys. Don't you Maurice Nelson? Don't you Zora? Say yes. No, I look at her and go, yes, we know who she is. Well, she's a worldly person. Yes, she just recently did that. I don't really follow Okay. I didn't know until they, on one of the news shows, I'm flipping the channel, I think Entertainment Tonight or something show, said, yeah, Alicia Keys just uh, lightened the crowd with her birthday suit and it showed her coming out and, they, and then they, you know how they put the little things across the top so that you don't see the evidence. Mm -hmm. Isn't that crazy, girl? She just did it. And cause we know Madonna. And then, and ain't gonna talk about that women's march, what they were wearing on their heads in D.C. Uh-huh. And there were small kids in here, and I respect this dad with his small kids, so I won't say that. But what they had on their heads. Okay? Go back and look it up yourselves. All right? I think Maurice just told you a 13-year-old, Shelly. All right, we're finishing up. And verse 20 says, but you haven't been, you haven't been taught this by Jesus. Here's what this, this word for learn there, Clinton. It means that you were not given a life experience like this from Jesus. Jesus did not demonstrate this is how you're supposed to live before God. That's what that word means. Jesus didn't say, okay, Amelia, and the rest of you, pull them off, walk around in your birthday suits. Or he say, okay, Amelia, run around and chase the prostitutes. Okay, Amelia, run around and get drunk and fall over and shoot people the finger. I'm just thinking of calling out things that we knew of our time, right? He's saying, mm-mm. Now, were the, F, the Ephesians, were they guilty of this? Actually, in the opening letter of the book of Ephesians, Paul doesn't hammer them for doing anything wrong. But what he's doing, he's reminding them of how, what Christ has brought, brought them from, the lifestyle in which he's brought them from, and how Jesus has changed their hearts. Okay? 
But did that start in the garden? That started in the garden. Isn't that right, Jeremiah? When Adam and Eve sinned, that centrality of nature went right on in. Okay? They covered up. And the enemy knew exactly what he was doing. Okay? Let's go a couple more verses. The kids should be coming in the door in a minute here. But I just want to go a little bit further. So, verse 21 on the NIV side. Surely you heard of him and were taught in him in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus. The gospel is the truth that's in Jesus. The gospel is the written life of Jesus. Okay? Let's see how we can say it, Jeremiah. The gospel is the outward character of Jesus. It is the written form of who Jesus is inside and outside. He never changed. And so the gospel is just a written form of who he is. Okay? And he's still the same way. Because when John saw him in heaven, John fainted. <laughs> he was greater than heaven than he was on earth. And John went, whoa, I can't believe he's like that. How pure he is. And glorious he is. And when John laid eyes upon him, bam. John said, I fell at his feet as what? Dead. His glory was so overwhelming. Like Paul wrote in his letter to the Thessalonians, he said when Jesus returned, when he comes back, his glory is what's going to destroy the Antichrist. His glory. In other words, the pureness of Jesus, the holiness of Jesus, the glory of the Father that's in Jesus is going to destroy the wickedness. Okay? His appearance. Yeah, just his appearance. I mean, when he come through those clouds and his radiance of his righteousness and holiness shine forth, it's going to destroy the wickedness. Yeah, it's going to consume all the darkness and weakness upon the earth. And so, and remember, we're just a little bit of lights of that. Because there's light shines in us by the Holy Ghost. Even though the outward appearance, we do things wrong, but yet that light still shines on the inside, and that light screams to be what? Shining on the outside. It wants to be let loose so that the world can see how bright you are, so the world would know that we belong to Jesus. Okay? That's why Jesus said in his very first sermon on the Sermon on the Mount, let your light so shine so that other men can see your good what? works and glorify your father who is in what? Heaven. That's what he was saying. Don't put your light on a bushel basket. Otherwise, don't try to hide what Jesus has done in your life. Take that basket off and let the world see the brightness of your light. Hey, the, the, the old me was a drunk, a fornicator, and everything else, right? But the new me now shining brighter than the sun. The world and go, whoa, look at Jeremiah. Whoa, who that? That's Jeremiah Jones. Who? Jeremiah Jones. Jeremiah Jones ain't never looked that good. Well, he does now. <laughs> well, why Jeremiah Jones look that good? Because Jesus. Who? Jesus. Who's that? Come here, let me tell you. Mm -hmm. I have I have something to say yeah. about the inauguration of president. When Mr. or Pastor or Evangelist Graham was talking about God. Billy Graham. Billy Graham. Yes. I I met that. 
Okay. All right. He was he was fantastic. I'm gonna tell you, Miss Barbara, I can add a testimony share when I was a just got into South Carolina, Fort Jackson, and uh, we were told that Billy Graham was coming to Charlotte to do his last crusade. Fort Jackson is on an hour away from Charlotte. And uh, they were looking for counselors because Harrison Stadium, where the Carolina Panthers play at, is going to be packed with thousands of, uh, thousands of people. And there weren't going to be enough counselors. So I remember going to First Baptist Church that was just built. Uh, not, not First Baptist, but Shannon Baptist Church. That big old church, Maurice, that was built outside of Fort Jackson. You, you being a little boy, I don't know if you remember, but it was so huge. And I remember going in there and Billy Graham sent his training team down to train us. And I trained as one of the counselors. So when I got there, they said they had enough counselors. And so I sat up at the very top of Erickson, Erickson Stadium, and it's up there too. It's like, you know, nosebleed section. And when they gave the invitation to come and to accept Jesus and they start singing the song, Just As I Am. Uh, in fact, I think Santa Patty had sung and uh, Lionel Harris. Any of you heard of Lionel Harris? Yeah. Had sung and some others. And uh, then they played Just As I Am. And all of a sudden, the Spirit showed me, said, look, look at the Spirit of God moving. And I get, I'm getting goosebumps now from thinking, <laughs> Brother Amelia, I have never seen in my life thousands of people's heart being touched at the same time by the Spirit of the same God. And all of them come down for one purpose. They was hungry for the Son of God. I'd never seen that in my life. I mean, those stadiums, I don't think the football field could hold them all, Jeremiah. When they start emptying out of those bleachers, it was thousands upon thousands on that football field to receive Christ as their Lord and Savior. I had never seen anything like it, nor have I seen anything like it since then on that large number. But I got a chance to witness by God said, look, look at that. New lives being birthed into the kingdom right there in front of me. Thousands of them. And that's something to witness. I'm telling you, it's powerful. All right. And then you, yes, you see all these sinners come in the gates, right? And they all leave out wearing white robes in heaven. Did you get that? They all walked in with their earthly clothes on, okay, from the natural eye. But when they walked out in God's eyes, they were all wearing what? White robes. Huh? And all the angels. All the angels. I mean, the angels had a field day that day. The angels had a field day singing glory to God. Okay? And so, traveling back. I drove up there and, and drove him back home. We, we lived in the uh, other house, Maurice. But having, having witnessed that, man, I would love to witness something like that again on a large scale. Um, anyway, you, you got to get ready to get your kids home. But he said that surely you heard of him and were taught in him in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus. You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, 
which is being corrupted by his deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds, and to put on a new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. We'll stop there at verse 24 today. That just showed you to transform life, Maurice Nelson. Meaning that your life is no longer the same. Now your way of thinking has to change. Even though you're now saved, but God has to make some modifications in the way you think. Okay? You can't think, I'm a woman's man now. No, you're a man of God now. You honor God in your body. Okay? Instead of seeing how many women you can go and get, now you see how many souls you can share the gospel with. Amen. Amen. Instead of being drunk with the spirit, okay, you know what man calls spirits, right? Y'all know what man calls spirits, right? Instead of being drunk in that spirit, be drunk in the spirit, otherwise in the Holy Ghost. <laughs> Amen. That's what Paul talks about. All right. Any questions? No questions. Y'all tired? Cause I just got wound up, man. I just took my top off, and I just got just just got going. Amen. All right. But to God be the glory. I, I expected to get through Ephesians chapter four today, but we didn't. <laughs> when, when the Holy Ghost is teaching like this, uh, when you begin to understand what God is saying to you, it is so beautiful. But we got to work, WOC. Okay? It's time now. You, you, you're not being taught academic stuff. So it's not an individual rating. This is the church. We now know we have the knowledge of Jesus Christ in us. Amen? You all demonstrated it tonight. And now we go out and share. Any questions? All right. Jeremiah, closes in prayer so we can go home, please. Yes, Lord. Thank you. Yes, Lord. Amen. Beautiful pair.